0: Deadline's Crew Call is brought to you by HBO, presenting Mayor of Easttown. Nominated for 16 Emmys, including Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series, and Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie for Kate Winslet. With Annie Weissman, the creator of Apple TV Plus's series Physical, which just dropped its season finale. Let's get together today. Give it a listen. So let's talk about that finale we just saw. Um, yes. Was it always your plan to end with Sheila and John looking at each other as they did in the mall?
1: Yeah, that is something that evolved um, in the writer's room over the course of the season as we were talking about their connection. And it was really uh, a group effort coming up with that idea, that, that um, unique sex scene. Um, and it turned out to be a very COVID-friendly thing to shoot as it was, <laughs> that was not the intention going into it. But um, that was just a lucky coincidence. Um, it was intimacy without, with physical distance. But yeah, it, it just evolved as we started to talk about how she's coming into this understanding of her body and um, connection to her body. And so as um, part of that is about her, you know, part of that is about body image and food and exercise, but it's also about sex and intimacy and, um, and so this was a kind of unusual way for um, the episode to come to a, uh, or the season rather, to come to a climax, if you will. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I had to say that. But is it? Um, was it? But, but also, that's that, That's how it came about.
0: Was it also intended to show that they were cut from the same cloth? Yes. That's an
1: excellent point. Um, I think their connection is one of, um, is, is an interesting one because I think they, they both kind of recognize trauma in each other. They both recognize pain in each other. Um, but they also recognize, um, something else, something that's about, um, desire and greed and, and wanting power and ambition and, so there's this, there's this like locking in that happens. And the way that that gets expressed physically was something that um, I can't take credit for. It, it was, it was really, it was really um, kind of a group effort that that came about. But it, but as soon as it, as the idea got floated I was a little scared of it um, because it's really different and really vulnerable. Um, and, but usually it's the ideas I'm scared of that uh, end up being the best ones. And, um, and think, I mean, I was, I was nervous to pitch it to Rose and to Paul Sparks who uh-huh. um, had to perform it, but, um, it was kind of the last, you know, piece of the puzzle we put together. And I'd always said, you know, I know they're going to get together in some fashion at the end. I know there's a kind of meeting of the mind, so I didn't know how it would happen, but, um, but you know that the season was sort of there was a magnetic pull between them um but when you know we kind of came up with what that would actually look like um it was a little nerve-wracking to sort of pitch it to Rose but she was totally brave and totally on board um and then at that point it was just about talking about how we were going to shoot it and do it in a way that was suggestive rather than to um you know uh explicit. And um, I just think I love the way that it, um, that it turned out. I think, um, I think it's really, really beautiful and different.
0: Did, um, did it take a while to get them on board or no?
1: No, they were great. They were game. They were totally in. I mean, they're the best. (laughs) They really are. And at that point we had just built up such a good um, bond and connection and mutual understanding of the character. So and they just knew that we were, our team is so great. You know, our directors and DP, and we just, we really take care of everybody and we really bring them into the process and tell them exactly how it's gonna go. And there's no surprises. So, um, I mean, it was, um, it was a good process. I was the most nervous one.
0: Uh, my, <laughs> they were my brave. My <laughs> wife had a theory that Sheila was gonna murder Jerry. And then, wow, feasibly cover it up, get away with it. She's someone that could get good away. Idea,
1: with it. yeah. I mean, you know, there's more stories to tell now that we know we're going to come back for season two. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> she definitely <laughs> wants to kill him,
0: the, but her um,
1: her um her violence comes out in other ways.
0: Now, did was there another? Can you share with us? Was there another option um, to end the season uh, on another note? Was Sheila headed I mean we see at the beginning she she ultimately becomes a success and we yeah. and, and, and we see that again we mm-hmm. show that show it to us again yeah
1: well I think um no we I knew that you know I wanted to tell more stories and have more seasons and it's and you know now we're lucky enough to do that that's never a given but I think um it felt like the right uh amount of evolution for her, you know, like a, 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 a realistic amount of growth, you know, you, she doesn't, she's not a um, rocket ship to empowerment and independence. And, you know, we wanted to kind of see that growth more incrementally. So it felt like the right amount for, for her that sort of, um, I always had this picture of her sort of, you know, I knew he was going to lose the election we're allowed to do spoilers, right? Um, yeah, it's already aired, and um, and that she was going to walk out the door, what, whether that was metaphoric or complete, and then in some way connect to Bree. So those were the things, that was those were the that was the trajectory I knew going in for the season, um, and then you know from there it's going to be her, you know, having to start to embrace a new life. Um, But, you know, she still contains this, um, you know, this illness and the secret. So, um, you know, she still has that hurdle to overcome.
0: And then um, tell me about the inspiration for all of this. Um, I know you've been asked that a lot, but I want to know.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to write about, um, you know, I, I, I was kind of searching for a way to write about my experience with having an eating disorder and feeling that it was misunderstood um and like there was a lot of while there was a lot of more discussion and understanding around eating disorders now than there was certainly when I was young and going through it um there still seemed to me a lot of um uh, misconceptions around, um, what they're really about. And so I, I found a way to write about it. They both felt really personal and, 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 but also gave it this distance. So it was setting it in this time period and it was looking at it in the, through the lens of, you know, this woman in transition between these two decades, between the seventies and the eighties and finding exercise and finding, um, you know this new relationship to her body, but still, but still having this dividedness and this secret. So that's kind of the the, the broad inspiration for the show. Um,
0: what I love about it is just how it captures. It's like we're coming out of the '70s of the women's movement, and yet there's the the untangling of the you know the lording the lording patriarch. Uh, husband and it it, I just love that duel that that goes on between them and you know she is the sharper one clearly in the room yeah and and just the the kind of leaving behind the 70s mores, and and trying to adapt to to evolve from everything it's just really a beautiful dance uh
1: yeah, well, it was a lot about wanting to wanting to talk about what how um, a lot of the you know progressive ideology of the time was leaving women behind. You know, so that there was an, a a sense of you know change and progress, but it was in many ways um, you know women were still stuck in an earlier time. So she's kind of coming. There's a there's a disenchantment with progressive ideals because you're realizing that they don't necessarily that they actually were kind of failing women in a lot of ways. And so that's part of what what she's discovering is like, oh, actually maybe empowerment comes in the form of economic empowerment. Maybe I need to get, maybe actually what I need to, to do to get independent and powerful is get some money of my yeah. own, you know? And that's sort of one of the things we're seeing her kind of discover, which um, is a betrayal of a lot of the values of the sixties that she embraced in the first place. but yeah, like I said, they kind of, um, they weren't doing much for her. Um, they were doing more for her husband.
0: <laughs> tell me more about the politics that you saw as a kid um, and, and how that how that was embedded in the series. These radicals. I mean, we see yeah. this, the radicals on one side and, and the, Reagan, the Reaganomics on the other side. Yeah. But, uh, tell me about that.
1: Well, it was really from my childhood growing up with, you know, parents who had gone to Berkeley in the '60s and had been very liberal, and around in that time the anti-war movement. And then as they settled down, and in many ways, it's just a story of people getting older, right, becoming more conservative, and becoming more about the family, and kind of settling into different kind of values and reality. And they, they, you know, they settled in California in the '70s. I grew up in the '70s and '80s, and you watch things become. You, you watched, um, you know, I watched my parents become more and more conservative and, and feel as they got older. And, you know, at the time, what was interesting to me to think about was how truly radical environmentalism was in California at that time. You know, the people who were talking about environmentalism were kind of, were kooks, you know, they were out there and it was just considered, you know, hippie, granola, crunchy. You know, and so one of the things we play with in the show is kind of looking back to how um, prophetic they were, even though they were kind of on the sidelines and 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 um, no one was listening yet. Um, so that's one of the funny dualities about Danny is even though he's kind of a, a hypocrite and an egocentric, his ideas about environmentalism are actually really prophetic and should be listened to, but aren't. You know, he's becoming increasingly irrelevant in the culture. You know, the culture's moving on um, and and looking at him as stuck. So um, that's part of where the show lives.
0: David, have you watched Mayor of Easttown on HBO yet? Kate Winslet nails it as a police detective in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. I mean, it feels like a place where I grew up up in the Northeast. The show is nominated for 16 Emmys. It's up for Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series. And Kate's even up for Outstanding Lead Actress in the Limited or Anthology Series. All episodes are streaming on HBO Max. Tell me about, like, how long was the show with you? Was this an idea that you were developing over a number of years?
1: Yeah, I had, I had written it, um, it. It was a very unconventional process. It was some something, you know, weird and personal and outside the box. So I, I didn't. It wasn't something I pitched anywhere. But I had um, a relationship to um, a group of writers that formed a company to kind of support these kinds of out, outside the box ideas, and they really encouraged me to, you know, when I was talking about it, to finish writing it, and then, and then. That, that brought me to folks at Tomorrow Studios who then really liked the script and, and we brought it um, to Apple. And it was just, I, I had a long time relationship with uh, Michelle Lee, an executive there. And she is the one who, who greenlit it. It was a total shock to me because I didn't really think anyone would do anything with this project. I had written it really to kind of, it was a real labor of love. So it's really exciting that I got to make it and at this level.
0: What was there, were there other options? Were there other studios going for it? Or was it always Apple's?
1: It was, it was always Apple. I mean, they, they gave us a, um, uh, you know, they gave us a straight to series deal. I mean, they, they were really serious about it. So we didn't need to shop around. We were like, it was home.
0: And, and hooking and latching, um, getting getting Rose Byrne attached. Yeah. I mean, what a fantastic choice in the wake I know. of
1: her. It was really Apple that, um, that match made us, you know, they had, they knew and had a relationship with Rose and um, Matt Cherness there had worked in FX and was part of the damages team. And so he had been on, you know that was the last time she did a TV show and he knew that she was looking again. And so he introduced us and she read the script and, you know, we just started talking and, um, and then, you know, when she got on board, it was like full steam ahead. So it was totally thrilling to me that she wanted to do it. Cause I'm, a, I'm such a fan of hers and now I'm even more, you know, just aware of how special she is and all of the, um, colors and flavors she brings to it. It's just, Um, she's really a dream
0: you know what's what's interesting I and I I, this speaks to an excellent marketing campaign when I first saw the billboards for it in LA I'm like oh my god she's playing Olivia Newton-John it's the Olivia Newton-John story yeah Australian (laughs) playing an Australian it's Rose Byrne yeah I go watch it and it it's not the Olivia Newton-John story but man did yeah that was a I will tell you that was a complete hook for me that got mm-hmm. me to watch and then I was on board with it everything um can you tell me about that can I mean what a clever yeah. marketing campaign
1: well you know the word I think with physical as the title you know that definitely um it brings Olivia Newton's John to mind but I and then and then having her um you know, Rose and the connection to, you know, Australian identity, I think that definitely puts into in your head. Um, and then just, you know, I think it's fun that the sort of, I love the kind of Trojan horse feeling of, you know, this beautiful package that feels like, um, you know, just playful and fun and sweet. You know, I'm a huge fan of, of female entertainers like Olivia and John, like, I mean, like Dolly Parton does this, you know, a lot of women and, but there's a wink in it. If you look closely, there's a wink in it. And they're kind of saying like, I know what, I know what I'm doing here. Like, come on in the water's warm. But then when you get there, there's something really clever and really different and really surprising. And it pulls the rug out from under you. And, and I think that's what Rose does. And that's what we did. So, I mean, I I like sort of Creating, uh, I like defying expectations. I like being underestimated, you know. But also, you know, and with everything I've written, I like to play in that world. I like to play in that tonal world of I, I like to sort of dare you to underestimate it, and, and then surprise you with what it really is. I mean, because it's so much what the show's about. It's about that what who she is inside is so different from what she looks like on the outside, and and um and I think that that very thing is what it was a little shocking to some people in the initial launch of the show. I mean, there were people who were really turned off by the difference between what she looks like and what she sounded like inside. And um, I wasn't surprised by that, but it was, um, you know, we definitely got that initial response from some people.
0: What do you you think the critics were missing? Those, Those critics that had a problem with it, that don't see it through the lens that yeah. I see it. What, what Yeah, you think they got, they well, I mean, they it could be what you,
1: what you um, I mean, look, to a certain extent, it's just the show that's not gonna be for everybody and that's fine. It's, it's not a down the middle show for, for everyone. Um, but there are certain people I think who react initially really strongly and negatively to the idea that someone as beautiful as Rose Byrne has as dark an interior life as she does and there's a little bit of a and it goes back to what i was saying earlier about the the, about eating disorders as a mental illness that they'll perceive that as a kind of character flaw she's a bitch as opposed to a symptom of mental illness and part of what the show is attempting to do and i think ultimately really has done for a lot of people who stick with it and, and see it through and also people who have a little more understanding of of and sympathy for you know women in mental illness um that's really what it is um but there are certain people who are just gonna have a reaction to that and sort of not take it seriously and you know not engage with it in that way and so I mean I'm really gratified by the fact that the people who who um you know who stick with it and who understand that are like, are um, are really creating a conversation around those issues, you know, and, and I've been, it's been really thrilling to me, but as someone who's like, came to, you know, who suffered with this mental illness for a long time, a lot of shame around it is like, I'm seeing how much conversation there is around it now with this. And um, it's, it's really deeply rewarding to me to see that. So um, I think it's it was, it was um, yeah, initially it was a little troubling to see that um, there was some, you know, reaction to that. But ultimately I think it's just part of, part of change, you know, is like, it's gonna evoke uncomfortable feelings when you start to turn rocks over and there's things wiggling under them. People don't like that all, all the time, you know? And so I think you're kind of over the target when certain people are like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable with that. Like, I'd rather not hear about that or see that. And, um, but anyway, that's a long answer to your question, but that, that's sort of my feeling about it.
0: Have you look, we it's been the pandemic. We really haven't had a lot of public forums, you know, at the TV Academy to meet people, but have you heard from anyone? Has anyone been moved? So, you know, with an eating disorder come up, you know, yeah. reached out to you and said, thank you. Thank you for making this. You, you got it right.
1: Yeah, running. the, um, wonderful, um, long time, uh, eating disorder support group, ANAD has reached out and they're doing a kind of, um, they've been really wonderful at, um, you know, we've linked to them as a resource for the show in social media and in, and, um, they have been really great about um, you know, helping engage with people on social media. And they've been really complimentary to us about the way we're bringing um, these issues into the cultural conversation and the way we're depicting it um, with like sensitivity and honesty. And so that's been wonderful. And then just personally, I'm, I'm receiving a ton of um, direct messages and emails from people who, either people I know from the past that are kind of coming out to me as, as also suffering from these um, from this disorder and also, or pe- and people I don't know, just kind of responding to um, feeling seen by the show and liking um, what, the way that it's expressing it um, and just reacting to, you know, with gratitude to the way that it's honestly um, depicting it. So that's been really cool
0: um so before we go tell us more I, I more about season two Bunny and Tyler is is yeah. Tyler going to hear again is Tyler going to go deaf is, is um <laughs> is bunny gonna get finally get a disco and see it close down
1: yeah so we're gonna so season two has a lot of surprises in it we're gonna see um, bunny is is um, you know Bunny and Tyler are down, but not out. They're definitely going to come back. They're roaring in with their own kind of um, new fitness idea. That's all I'm going to say about that, but they're kind of, they're going to try to beat Sheila at her game. And we're also going to see Sheila, you know, her, her, her problems sort of get suppressed for a while as she, as we start to see her, you know, embrace um, power and success and, this, a new dynamic in her home life um but then those problems of course will come kind of roaring back as well so there's still there's a lot of um there's a lot of terrain to cover do there's a lot see, of road
0: ahead do you see a a certain like do you see this going over three seasons four seasons or you take it a season at a time
1: um Six seasons in a movie, right? Isn't that <laughs> I don't know. From your mouth to God's ears. We we still have a lot of stories to tell. We can see her um, you know, many, many chapters in the in the in the great American life of this woman.
0: So Thank you so much, Annie. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. So happy to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call Podcast on Deadline. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro, and our podcast series has been produced by David Janov. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.